Well, here's a question for any moms. Do you remember the fa- your favorite gift that you ever got at a baby shower? Think of what your favorite gift might have been at a baby shower. One lady tells a story of opening gifts at her baby shower. This was her first baby. And she received one very special gift at that shower. It was a baby quilt that was handmade by her grandmother who had passed away years before. As she marveled at the beauty of this quilt, it hit her that her grandmother had planned this quilt, had spent many hours stitching it together, and knowing that she would most likely never meet the person, the child that was going to be using that quilt and who she was making it for. She was motivated by love, love for someone that she hadn't even yet met, hadn't met and wouldn't meet until heaven. That's a special gift. I thought when I heard this story that it fit pretty well with our scripture passage today because what we read just what Shelley just read about is a special gift here's Jesus in his last major prayer before he is arrested taken away tortured and crucified and I call it the other Lord's prayer and in this prayer He prays for his friends, the disciples, and he prays for us. Jesus knew that his ministry would be ending soon. He knew that his life on earth would be ending soon. He knew that his arrest and his trial and his very public, humiliating, very violent death would be very difficult and very devastating for those who were closest to him, his disciples. Put yourself in their place, those disciples. Imagine seeing him, the master that you've been following for the last almost three years, believing that he was going to set up a kingdom, things were going to change. And now you see him being arrested and tortured and killed right before your eyes. Wouldn't you be overwhelmed by it all? Wouldn't you be full of grief? Wouldn't you be afraid? Wouldn't you have questions? Wouldn't you have doubts? I know I would. And so Jesus performed a miracle and he saved his own life and he continued his ministry on earth, right? Nope. He appeared to his apostles with a host of angels and the angels were all around him so that the disciples would never again have any doubt who he was. Nope. He took his apostles with him to heaven so that they wouldn't have to suffer because of their faith in him. Nope. Jesus could have done any of those things. But that wasn't God's will. And he knew that. That wasn't what the Father had sent him to do. He gives us a perfect example by how he completed his reason for being here. He gives us an example of how to line our choices and our will with God's will. Even when God's will is scary 
and difficult and hard to understand. That's one of the reasons to pray, to build a loving, trusting relationship with God, that, we, to, to, that it gets to the point that the relationship becomes so close that we naturally line ourselves with God's will, for the most part, as much as a human being can. And so Jesus, in his last hours on this earth, did what he always did. He took his concerns to his father. He prayed. And my tablet just bleeped out, so it's good. It's always good to carry a backup, I've learned. <laughs> and so he did, as I said, what he always did. He prayed. He prayed for others. He prayed for his disciples. And then he prayed for all those people who hadn't even been born yet. But one day they would come to believe in him as their Lord and Savior. Think of it. In his last hours on this earth, Jesus prayed for you. And he prayed for me. If that isn't an amazing gift of love, then what is? There's a true story about Admiral William McRaven of the U.S. Special Forces Operation Command. And he tells about his training as a SEAL. He says one technique that Navy SEALs practice regularly is how to perform underwater attacks against enemy ships. It's a difficult and risky operation. Two SEAL divers are dropped off far away from the enemy ship, and with only a depth gauge and a compass, that's all they're given, they swim at least two miles underwater in the dark to reach the enemy ship. Now that sounds difficult, right? But that's not the hardest part. When they get there, they have to dive below the ship and go to the very center of the hull of that ship. And underneath there, under that huge steel ship, there's absolutely no light, none whatsoever. They complete the rest of their mission in total, absolute darkness. It's only because they've prepared so thoroughly for this mission beforehand that they're able to operate with total skill and remain calm even in the darkest moments. Admiral McRaven ends his story by saying this, if you want to change the world, you must be your very best in the darkest moments. Our Bible passage today said that Jesus was at his absolute best in his darkest moment. He was calm. He was confident. He was confident in his father's love and in his plans for him and for you and I. So much so that he didn't pray much for himself. Mostly, he prayed for his disciples. He knew that they would be left behind to do his work. He knew they would be scared, that they would be weak and worn out, that they wouldn't know what to do next, and that they would be unprepared, even though he had tried to prepare them. Anyone would be, 
And that's exactly why prayer is the best plan for preparing, for dealing with our own darkest moments. Author Alice Monroe wrote that her mother prayed on her knees every morning, every afternoon, and every night. She began each morning with prayers to be open to God's will. Then she ended each day with prayers for God to examine her heart, her thoughts, her actions, her words that day. And she says that one benefit of that faithful prayer is this, quote, nothing can happen to you that you can't make use of. Nothing can happen to you that you can't make use of. Even if you're racked by troubles and sick and poor and lonely, you've got your soul to carry you through like a treasure on a platter. Think about that. When we have regular, faithful communication with God, God will reveal to us wisdom that means nothing can happen to us that we can't make use of. Even suffering, even sorrow, even fear, even doubts, even COVID, God's wisdom will allow us to make use of our worst moments, just as Jesus did in today's story. I imagine that as the years go by, for those of us who will be around, 2020 will be remembered as a dark moment. I know it will be in my life. Even though a lot of good things happened last year, it was the most difficult year that I've experienced in my life and in my ministry. And I hope that this year is much, much better. And so far, it is. But you have to be prepared for those dark moments because you don't know when they're coming. So imagine again that you are one of Jesus' friends. You're one of the disciples. They were there. Jesus prayed, and he thanked God for them, and he prayed for them. His prayer was amazing. They learned so much from him as they traveled with him for the last three years. Maybe what stuck with the disciples the most was how he prayed. Remember at one point when they asked him to teach them how to pray like he does? And he gave them the model prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. We pray that prayer every, every Sunday morning here. I hope you pray that prayer at home or some form of it daily. But in that day, the time right before his crucifixion, he prayed for his friends. It's always reassuring when we go through difficult times to know that you have friends praying for you, isn't it? I cannot tell you, without fail, every time in the last almost five years now, we've had a family going through some difficult times, whether it be illness or loss of a loved one. I cannot tell you how many times people have expressed to me, please tell the people at Zion thank you for the prayers. We let them know we're praying for them, and then we pray for them regularly. And it means everything to them that we are praying for them. And so let's not get lax on doing that. The people in our lives who are in need of prayer, let's remember to do that. It's important. We sometimes forget how powerful a simple prayer can be. 
we think we have to have these fancy words and we have to say it just right or it's going to bounce off the ceiling and God's not going to hear us. And that's just not true. You can keep it as simple as a few words. And that can be a very powerful prayer. Do you pray for your friends? Jesus did. And you know what? He still does. He prays for us. The scriptures tell us that he makes intercession for us to the Father. That's comforting to know. In times of confusion, times when I don't know where to go next, like last March, well, can't have church anymore. Oh, great. What do we do now? Times like that. Times when you get that phone call and the doctor says, I need to see you tomorrow morning first thing. You know, it's not going to be great news. Times of worry and concern for a loved one or a friend, someone that you care about. It's a great comfort to know that Jesus is praying for us, that he sees and knows what's going on in each of our lives, and he cares. But how did he pray? What did he ask for? Well, he prayed that God would help his friends stay strong. That's always an appropriate prayer. A good prayer. A prayer for strength. Two people were praying. One was praying, saying, Lord, please help me to hold on. And the other one was saying, Lord, please help me to let go. Have you prayed either of those prayers? I've prayed both. I think we can all relate to them. But each of those prayers takes a different kind of strength. There's an author named Ellen Peach who wrote these words. There are two types of strength. There's the strength of the wind that sways the mighty oak tree. And then there's the strength of the oak tree that withstands the power of the wind. There's the strength of the locomotive that pulls the heavy train across the bridge. And there is the strength of the bridge that holds up the weight of the train. One is active, the other is passive. One is the power to keep going, the other is the power to keep still. One is the strength to overcome, the other is the strength to endure, end quote. Jesus' prayer is a great reminder to us that God never intended for us to suffer and struggle through life on our own. We don't have to do it on our own strength. We have limited strength, limited wisdom, limited perspective. We don't see the big picture. We only see a small, small piece of it. Our situations sometimes look more powerful than God's love for us even. But through prayer... God wants to give us strength. He wants to deepen our wisdom. He wants to change our outlook, our perspective. Get us to see the big picture a little bit more. Understand that we don't know the big picture, that someday we will. Jesus knew the cost of being one of his followers in those days, and he knew that it would be high. He knew there would be times when the disciples' lives would be in danger. He knew that there would be times when they would be tempted to just quit and not do it anymore. Ever have those days? I do. 
Instead, he prayed for them to be strong, strong to meet challenges that were coming. He knew that it wouldn't be long. He didn't pray for their escape. He didn't pray that they would be spared of all these experiences, but he prayed that they would have strength when it happened. He said these words, I am not asking you to take them out of the world, Father, but I am asking you to protect them from the evil one. See how much he cared? How much he cares? In 1943, as he was preparing with his division for the Allied invasion of Normandy in World War II, Private First Class William Kiesel wrote to some friends that he did not want them to pray for his safety because safety isn't my ultimate goal. My ultimate goal is true exemplary conduct. Apply that thought to our own lives as a follower of Jesus. Safety isn't the ultimate goal. Exemplary conduct is. Then he added, what is important is that whatever does happen to me, I will do absolutely nothing that will shame my character or my God. There's a man of good, strong morals. That sounds very much like Jesus' prayer for his friends. He could have taken away their struggles and their suffering in a moment if he wanted to. He didn't. Their struggling and their suffering was necessary for their power of God to work through them. They were a test of faith that convinced Jesus' followers that God is a faithful God, a God of truth, a powerful God, a loving God. It was their faithful work even in their suffering that would come and the struggles that built the church of Jesus Christ. And their faithful work is the reason we are gathered together right now this morning because Jesus' prayers were answered. They were given the strength. And so the work carried on, carries on today and will carry on long after we're all gone. The one prayer that God always answers is a prayer for strength, strength to endure. Jesus prayed for the apostles so that they would find strength during times of suffering. That was a prayer that was answered over and over again. It's a prayer that some of us have prayed as well. And always, God is faithful. God will never, ever, ever forget us in our time of need. Jesus prayed for his friends. He prayed that they would be strong. He also prayed that they would be united did you hear those words? He said, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. So that the church may be as close as God the Father and God the Son are. That's pretty close. That's an important message to us. We are not just a collection of pretty people that God puts up on a shelf to look at and say, oh, didn't I make some pretty people? No, we are not. We are the body of Christ. We're a beautiful creation made by God. We are all placed together wherever it might be in this, wor in this world. Whatever church it might be or whatever other organization it might be, we're all placed together to use our talents and our times and to be unite our talents and our our abilities, and to be the body of Christ. Too many things hurt the unity of the church today. 
People get upset with the council because they make decisions they don't like. Or people get upset with the pastor because he doesn't do this well or she doesn't do that well. Well, I'm here to tell you folks, we're humans too and we don't do some things well. We're not perfect. We never will be, don't ever expect us to be. We're going to disappoint you. I will disappoint you. And I'll probably do it, and I've probably done it more than once already because I am a human being. People get upset with other members of the church for, for sometimes silly and ridiculous reasons. But Jesus knew that it's not easy to maintain good relationship. We're blessed in this place. I know I upset people, but nobody's ever yelled at me yet for upsetting them. Everybody's been nice to me, and I appreciate that. I know that the church council at times might upset you by a decision they make, but we never have, we've, we've not, you know, almost five years, had any kind of a major problem in this church because our people discuss things together, work them out, and all goes well. Unity. Unity is important, but it doesn't come easy. It has to be worked at. It requires us sometimes to be humble. It requires us sometimes not to get our own way. And most of all, unity requires prayer. That's why Jesus prayed. And when we line up our will with God's will, and that's what our leadership in this church tries to do, is line up our will with God's, when we do that, when we line up our character with the character of Jesus, then we will be a church of unity. And I think we're doing real well in that department. And we will continue to accomplish the work of Jesus on this earth if we just keep doing what we're doing, work together. In 1939, Nazi Germany gave up control of three nations, little states of Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania to the Soviet Union. The Soviets tried very hard to destroy the culture and the heritage and the customs of these three little countries. But in 1989, on the 50th anniversary of that deal between Germany and the Soviet Union, the people of Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia created a giant human chain across all three of their countries to protest their oppression under the Soviets. Two million people joined hands together and they formed a chain that bordered all three countries. And they called this protest the chain of freedom. This act of unity caught the attention of the whole world and of governments of the whole world. Pressure was put on the Soviet Union and within the next two years, those three little countries were given freedom and they gained their independence from the Soviet Union. Imagine the strength and the joy and the comfort that the citizens of those three little countries must have gained from joining hands in this giant human chain in a peaceful protest for independence. What they couldn't do separately, the three nations were able to do together. It's true, Jesus knew it, we know it. There's power in unity. Jesus is praying for us. He's asking at least two things for us. One, he's asking that we will be strong. He's been praying for us for the last year, year and a half, extra much, I'm sure, extra much. 
Sorry for the poor English, but, you know, he's been praying extra special, extra long for us. I'm certain of it. Asking for strength to get us through what we've gone through. I don't know about you, but that's a prayer that I need. That's a prayer that I need daily is for strength. And secondly, he is praying that we will be united. That's one prayer that we could help answer ourselves by being cooperative with others. We could start by praying for our friends. We could pray for other churches. Yeah, imagine that. Pray for that Catholic church down the street. Imagine that. Yeah. Pray for the Unitarian Universalists. Who? Yeah, they're, they're, that's a church. Pray for others. We could also pray for our own church. And not forget to do that faithfully. And finally, pray for yourself. Pray, ask God for strength. Ask us, ask God to help us to love others. Even those people that are hard to love. Because they're out there, aren't they? That's a prayer that lines up with God's will. Remember the greatest commandment. Love others, yourself, most of all God. This is a prayer that lines up with what God wants for us today. What Jesus asked for on our behalf a long, long time ago. So pray for your church. Pray for other believers. Pray that we will all be strong and united in these difficult days. And we can know without a doubt that God will be faithful to answer our prayers. Amen.